Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to this episode of Not Your Average Tea Time. I'm your host, Tobaria. I'm joined by Travis again, and we've got another good episode for you here. So we're going to talk about teams that started off underperforming, but then they somehow turned it back around. So we'll talk about what they did to turn it around and what was kind of like the breaking point for them where they said, hey, we've got to do something to save our season here. So we're going to start off with the... Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders, and they started off kind of hot, Travis. They had uh, beat the Broncos 24-16, but then they lost to the Chiefs, which everybody expected. Then they got throttled by the Vikings, and then they stole one against the Colts, stole one in London against the Bears 24-21, but then they started regressing again, right? So when they played the Packers, Packers put 42 on them, lost that game. They went and played the Texans. Texans beat them 27-24. to 24. And then just this last week, they beat the Lions 31-24. to 24. So their current record is 4-4. Four and four. And so what do you think? How do you think their season is going to play out? Do you think that they will actually continue to right the ship and maybe make the playoffs? Well, the, the surprising thing here to know is that at the Raiders – record of 4-4. Four and four. They're only two games behind the Kansas City Chiefs for the top of the division. So that's, that's remarkable to even say uh, for a John Gruden Raiders team that has been um, honestly the butt of all jokes uh, for the past few years, especially considering the Cleo Mack debacle that happened. So um, I know there was a lot of people that maybe expected the John Gruden experiment not to really uh, materialize, but I don't know. It's kind of hard to make out what's, uh, what's really happening with this team. Um, one thing that is uh, starting to be known is that the Raiders have a lot of big bodies on the offensive line, a lot of, lot of uh, heavy guys, um, which I guess a lot of people wouldn't know. But because of that, they're able to ground and pound and control the clock. So I don't know what John Gruden or Chucky, as they call him, <laughs> I don't know what his uh, – what his trick is, uh, what his motivational speech. I'll have to review the, his Gruden highlights um, to see how he's coaching up Derek Carr and, and everyone. But they're making stuff happen. So I don't know. I uh, I would I would be wary of the Raiders. Yeah, I'm gonna pull up the depth chart here for a quick second. All right, yeah, Travis. So you mentioned those uh, offensive linemen, the big guys that uh, the Raiders have, and you were absolutely right on that one. So they drafted Colton Miller, and then they shipped Donald Penn out of town. So Colton Miller's on the left tackle. They got Richie Incognito out of retirement. And he had to sit a few games, but he's back playing left guard. Rodney Hudson, who's just all <laughs> – Richie. Rodney Hudson's always been a star. Um, Gabe Jackson, underrated but solid. And then they got Trent Brown from the pa- Patriots, okay. remember? Dude's like eight Man, feet tall. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Eight feet tall, a bruiser. They have an absolute bruiser of an offensive line. And so this definitely works well for them because they definitely wanted to run the ball. So when you see they drafted Josh Jacobs, who was probably the highest rated running back in the draft this year, they drafted him late in the first round, and that's starting to pay dividends. He's been electric as a rookie. I know he's had a couple of games with multiple touchdowns but and then 
the running game's on point. So when that's clicking on all cylinders, Derek Carr has been clicking on all cylinders. Um, he's the game against the Lions. He was throwing some passes. I was like, he's throwing those things on a laser and a rope because it was just a thing of beauty to see. And then talk about the tight end who's probably just under the radar, but he's a blooming star here, Darren Waller. They signed him to an extension this year, wanted to get him locked up into that contract. So he's been just going off for wide receivers they have. Man, I'm gonna tell you what. Uh, <laughs> they they need a star wide receiver. They have Tyrell Williams, and that's it. Because all Tyrell Williams do is catch touchdowns. But he missed some games with um, a foot injury. He had the yeah. plantar fasciitis like I had, and so he's been missing some games. <laughs> They're trying to get him back on track. But other than that, this I guess their other star wide receiver is a guy named Trevor Davis. And I'm be honest with you, I've never heard of him. So yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Some days is a little bit of an unknown commodity, but they have a guy who is starting to break out, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, yes, uh, product of Clemson, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Caught his second touchdown of the uh, um, um, and uh, second touchdown in a consecutive week. So, can only go up from here. Let's see what happens with him. So, one important thing I like to point out here, Travis, you kind of mentioned it. Um, Raiders aren't that far. Raiders and the Chargers aren't that far from the Chiefs for first place in the division here. But here's something I want to point out when we talk about, like, success and how things are going to go. And in order to be a good team, you have to be able to win on the road, right? Well, mm-hmm. here's the Raiders' record on the at home. They're 3-1. and one. On the road, they're just 1-3. and three. However, when we look at the Chiefs, they're 2-3 and three at home, which is shocking, but they're 4-0 and oh on the road. That's a good stat, and and they've been they closed out a lot of tough games too. The Chiefs have they didn't have Patrick Mahomes for the last two or three games, and Matt Moore stepped and that's in. Notable. That's very notable. Uh, he's the MVP candidate, but mm-hmm. Matt Moore stepped in and definitely proved me wrong. I didn't think he could play at this level. Um, I didn't think he would be able to get Tyreek Hill um, the ball consistently, but he has. He's been stepping up and he's been playing his role, so that's good to see. So, do you think that they'll be able to finish above 500, the Raiders? Um, I think so. I think by the end of the season, I think they'll be slightly over 500. Actually, and they might even finish. They could even finish second in their division. They could. Does that mean know. that they'll make the playoffs? Uh, you know, well, given how the AFC is, the whole conference <laughs> as a whole, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they made the playoffs. Maybe suck in and be a wild card would not surprise me but definitely love to switch that up and wish that was the NFC for our special teams but that's how that goes <laughs> that's another story all right so I think they'll make the playoffs um no I don't think they'll make the playoffs I think they'll they'll keep a Raider and uh <laughs> they won't keep they, <laughs> they won't make the playoffs this you year you know what though <laughs> here is one advantage that the Raiders have over a lot of teams and we go back to this mammoth of offensive line that they have. Come when it gets cold, what is more effective than throwing the ball is running the ball. If they can control the ground game and use Josh Jacobs in that game and control the clock. I mean, they might even be, you know, hard to stop down the stretch. 
So I think you're right. I think you're you're on to something, but just man, you can never never know what to expect with the Raiders. You never know, but let's move on to another team in that same division, the Los Angeles Chargers right now. So um, they started off in a nail-biter against the Indianapolis Colts. They ended up pulling that one off in overtime. But then they went and dropped a close game to the Lions, who's been surprising a lot of people. Then they dropped the game to the Texans, who have a potential MVP candidate and the quarterback in Deshaun Watson. But they played the Dolphins, and they did what any respectable team should do, and they beat the Dolphins. Um, the Jets could not do that. <laughs> I was going to say, minus the Jets, right? <laughs> We're not talking about that right now. So then um, they welcomed the Broncos to town, and they dropped that game. But the Broncos are the Broncos are a team that's bad in their record, but they actually play very well. But they dropped that game. They dropped the game against the Steelers. They dropped the game against the Titans, and it looked really, really bleak for them at that point. But um, what they ended up doing is they went to Soldier Field and absolutely stole one against the Bears because of a missed kick by Eddie Pinero. And that was all everybody talked about for literally a week was that missed kick. But it got the Chargers their first win. And I think it's important. I think that's the game where they decided, hey, we got to turn this around. We got to close out these games. We've been in a lot of games and we lost them um, by one score. So Joey Bosa came out of nowhere and won, I think, AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Um, Melvin Ingram just, the whole defensive front, I think, gave the Bears fits. And they was like, hey, we have something here. So let's continue what we did here in the next week when we go see the, when the, char- when the Packers come out here to see us. So they beat the Packers 26-11, and pretty much like the same story. Melvin Ingram and Joey Boza had a field day against that Packers offensive line, who I think everybody thought would perform better against that um, Chargers defensive line, but they did not pull it through. So after all of that, Chargers are sitting at 4-5. and five. So what do you think, Travis? Do you think that the Chargers can continue this two-win streak they got going on when they take on the Raiders, the team we just talked about? <laughs> so that's going to be a tough matchup, I think. But you have Thunder and Lightning, Melvin Ingram, and Joey Bosa, who are catching heat right now. And I think the two of them together are going to wreak havoc for the Raiders. I also think the Chargers are riding uh, this hot wave, this confidence that they're going about right now. They said, they went publicly and said, you know, this offensive change that we did with uh, switching our offensive coordinator has worked. We've been calling different plays. And at least against the Packers, it's, it's worked out for them. And now Melvin Gordon has had some chance to kind of get reacclimated into uh, the offense. And he, he dropped two dice out against the Packers. So, I think they're riding a confidence wave, but we'll see what happens against the Raiders. But if they can pull, go, if they can play the Raiders and still win, I think the Chargers can, can catch fire here. So that could potentially be another key for them to turn it around. You know, they got rid of their old offensive coordinator. Melvin Ingram looked like his true self here um, when he had uh, two touchdowns. And go back to that Titans game that they dropped. Melvin Ingram fumbled on the goal line 
like with two seconds left or something crazy, and they ended up losing that Melvin game. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, yeah, I said Ingram. Good call. Melvin Gordon fumbled on the goal line, and they lost that one to the Titans. Um, they eked out a close one against the Bears, and then he just went rough shot against the Packers. So, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this, this Raiders-Chargers game. I think that if I've learned that you can't just look at the quarterback and the wide receivers, right? Like, that's not a good indicator of success. You have to look at offensive line, defensive line. And this is this is really, like, it's a good thing that we talked about the Raiders' offensive line in the last piece here because um, in this one, we got the strength of the Chargers being their defensive line. So when those two battle this Thursday, who comes out on top? Like, who do you think makes enough plays in order to get the W? You know, and that's a really tough game to call. I know we uh, we kind of participate in the conference pool that we do weekly here. Um, and that's going to be one of my games in which it might be a low score number rated because I just don't know what to make of either team, which team is going to catch light in the bottle, and uh, which team is going to show up actually on Thursday. So it's going to be a tough one, but if I had to pick a, a winner of that game, um, I, it, it may be shocking, but I'm honestly going to say it's going to be the Raiders. I actually think the Raiders might seek out a win. I think it'll be close, regardless of, about, uh, regardless of who wins, but I think the Raiders might seek out a win here. You're right. I think it. You're right. I think it's going to be close, but I have to, just based on the brand and my prediction earlier in the year of who's going to win uh, this conference, I think I got to pick the Chargers because there's a chance that prediction won't be false. It looked bleak at first, but I know you and I both picked the Chargers to win the AFC West, and they have a murderer's row coming up here. So they have the Raiders this Thursday, Chiefs, Broncos, Jaguars, Vikings, Raiders, Chiefs. That's a tough schedule, but I think they got the talent to pull it off. I really do. Yeah, and it's not really – it's actually more of a disappointment that the Chargers are in the position that they're in. I mean, I know a lot of people expected the Chargers to be high-flying and explosive and dominant over teams. So uh, it's going to be a challenge down the road, but it's time to see what the Chargers are really made of. Yeah, and honestly, I think after this year, they're probably going to blow up this Chargers team. I'll admittedly haven't watched many Chargers games, but if you look at this offensive line, they have Russell Okun, who was out with blood clocks for left tackle, left guard, Dan Feeney, center Scott Casenberry, right guard Michael Schofield, the third right tackle Sam Tevy. Okay. <laughs> and so maybe right, they, right. so maybe they didn't blow it up because then after that it looks good, right? Wide receiver one, Keenan Allen. Wide receiver two, Mike Williams. Running back Melvin Gordon, but he'll possibly he's probably he's gone after this year. He's out of here. They still have to find a replacement for Philip Rivers. Place Melvin Gordon. Replace this offensive line. Like they're gonna have to put a lot of draft capital into this offense here um, coming up in the draft. Yeah, I think so. I would agree. Um, so what do you think about the, the defensive side of the ball? Because I agree they had to put a lot of uh, a lot of capital into the offense, but what about the defense? Is there any needs or uh, holes to fill on that team? Yeah, I definitely think that um, they can probably benefit from some safety help here. Um, Desmond King is somebody who 
when he got drafted, I thought he would be a star safety safe in the league, but he kind of hasn't panned out. He's currently listed as second string here. Casey Hayward Jr. is a stud. Their second cornerback is Michael Davis, but again, I haven't heard, I haven't watched many Chargers games, so I can't tell you anything about him. But we know the studs, Melvin Ingram and Joey Boza. They got some good run stuffers in the middle here with uh, Justin Jones, Brandon Meemain, and Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame, I believe. Um, it's currently second string, so he'll probably jump up there and replace one of those guys when the time comes. But offensive, offensive linemen, linebackers, I think they can use a definite upgrade. You got Thomas Davis Sr., who we don't know how much longer he has. Denzel Perryman, who's just a mainstay on this Chargers team. And Eugenia Nuosa, who I believe is from the USC, had a big play, but he's more just a role player, not necessarily a star. So I don't know. Like this team is this team is good, but I think they're at that point where they need some A-listers. They need some more blue chip players, and who knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're honestly in a wait and see mode. I know it's, uh, it, it seems, well, I know his presence of Derwin James uh, is surely being, surely being felt, him not being on the field. That's he's who, definitely on the field. He's he's in every play. He's, that's he's who they're missing. He's blood. Yep. He's their energizer, energizer bunny, if you will. I mean, this guy makes their engine go. Uh, just he just sets the tone with the team, and uh, I think once he comes back, it'll be a totally different Chargers team that we have here. But I forgot yeah. all about Derwin James. Uh huh. Because Jamal is the yeah, best. Just, uh, Jamal Adams is the best safety in the league, and the Cowboys should trade for him. <laughs> so Jamal Adams is the best safety in the league. Is that a little bias? <laughs> no biasy, but um, he got to get traded. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. Um, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're the third team we've identified as a team who has kind of turned it around after starting off rough here. So, so they started out getting blown out on the season opener to the Patriots. It's thirty-three to three. Got obliterated, and they, everybody thought. Well, they can only get better from here, but they probably missed Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Then they went and they hosted the Seattle Seahawks, and they lost that one by a close one. But uh, as we know, um, Russell Wilson playing like an MVP, and I believe that was the game Big Ben hurt his elbow. So after that second game when Big Ben hurt his elbow, they were 0-2. Then the undefeated San Francisco 49ers came to town, and they dropped to 0-3. And everybody thought, uh-oh, what's happening here? But I think this is the game that uh, Mason Rudolph had to step up and actually show he can play. So the Bengals came to town week four, and they just did what any respectable team should do to the Bengals. They blew them out 27-3. But <laughs> Action Jackson came to town the following week and beat the Steelers in overtime 26-23. to so at that point they were one and four, if my math is correct. So it's really looking bleak at this point. Um, so then they hosted the Chargers, who they beat twenty four seventeen. Then they beat the Dolphins like they should have. Then they eked out a win against the Colts. Yes, 
this last week here. So, but they're currently four and four right now. So, are, do you think Travis? Do you think they need James Conner fifty percent, a hundred percent, if they want to contend and maybe possibly win the AFC North? Well, I think James Conner is a vital piece in the Steelers' plan. He needs to be anyway. Um, and they need him to be 100%. So at this point, I would rather have a 100% healthy James Conner than rushing back at 50, 50%, 25%, anything less. Because we need him long-term. Not we, but they need him long-term. Yeah, so this is one of those teams that they're really, really baffling. They're currently on a three-game winning streak. They're three and two at home. They're one and two on the road. And right now, I think this next game is going to be their kind of defining moment on uh, how the rest of their season goes because it's it's they're really jackaling high right now. But I think that there needs to be something said about Mason Rudolph and his outstanding play so far. Um, not many people thought he could step in and actually be a legitimate quarterback, but. I don't know if it's if it's mostly him. Is it Mike Tomlin and their offensive scheme is very friendly to quarterbacks, or what has been the reason behind his good play? But me being a Jets fan, I've seen that when you lose your star quarterback, it can get ugly really fast, and that did not happen for Mason Rudolph. He had a quite a bit of a scare. I think it was against the Ravens game, yeah, um, when he got hit by Earl Thomas and he had a concussion. And I thought he was dead. And a lot of people thought he was dead. I remember him getting up and somebody was, one of his teammates looked at him like, you okay? And he was like, yeah. And when he turned, when his teammate turns back to him, he was like, that man don't know what state he's in. So, (laughs) (laughs) so they had their third screen quarterback, Delvin Hodges, come in and actually win one of these games. What game did Delvin – the Chargers game. Yeah, I remember that. I picked the Chargers to win that game because Delvin Hodges was playing, uh-huh. and Delvin Hodges put up 24 points. Sometimes you can't win. But, uh, uh. yeah, so it, it's just they've done a good job of weathering the storm, staying together through adversity. And to be honest with you, I don't know how they do it, but they just keep drafting good wide receivers. Like, I knew I knew Juju was going to be good because I was a USC fan. But James Washington, I think the book's still out on him. But Deontay Johnson, this rookie they got, I don't know where, high school, where, where he came from. University of Toledo. He was drafted by the Steelers in the third round. And he, the Dolphins did, like, some weird engaged eight Madden blitz and – uh, let me tell you, it didn't work out. Deontay Johnson took that ball and like had four two speed and just took off on them for the end zone to end the first half. And everybody was like, "Yep, the Dolphins are definitely tanking." So mm-hmm. I don't know how to how they get this uh, wide receiver help, but another another thing to talk about is everybody thought that when Big Ben went out, that they should not trade any of the draft picks. They need to just count this as a lost year but they gave up a first round pick and something else for Minka Fitzpatrick and Minka yeah. has just been balling for the Steelers he's like, been the player he's been the player that we've been expecting him to be and making the plays that we expect him to make yeah and like I don't know what what it was against uh 
maybe it's just because he was he wasn't it was the Dolphins, and that's why he wasn't getting used properly. I think the Dolphins also played a lot of man to man, and he was like, I, I'm a much better player in zone coverage with the Steelers. No, the Steelers play man too. They used to. I don't know. Something wasn't happening right. And uh, pretty yeah. much, he got traded. <laughs> and then against the Dolphins, he had two interceptions right up the bat against his old team. And then he had a 96-yard interception for a touchdown return against the Colts last week. He's just been on fire. He's worth that first-round pick and more. Talking about filling up a huge need for the Steelers, too. <laughs> they definitely need a safety help. And he has been... Uh, more than serviceable for them, um, which is really good because he covers the back end as a safety, and they have a stud rookie uh, inside linebacker in Devin Bush who has been controlling the middle. So Devin Bush has been a revelation for them as well. He had one very, very good game so far this year. I forget who it was against him, but I'll pull it up quick. I think it was against the Chargers. Yeah. I think that was that game. He had a fumble recovery and a uh, for a touchdown and a pick or something like that. Like his stat line was was unbelievable that game. Yeah. And it was early on. Yeah. So looking at his stats here, he had that interception for I think a touchdown against the Chargers, and he had one the week before that against Baltimore as well. So he currently has two interceptions on the season. And one sack that came against Cincinnati. But he, he's been a good player. He's been absolutely everything they hoped for and more with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But we're going to wrap up here. we got one more team left, and we finally touched it on an NFC team here. And that's the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Travis, what were your thoughts about the Philadelphia Eagles coming into the season? You know, I thought the Eagles might actually uh, pick up for their left off and be a, a dominant team. Um, I, I don't think it's really many people expected them to kind of fall flat as they have been. Um, so there's been a lot of questions raised about the character, uh, character concerns in the locker room, most notably uh, uh, Malcolm Jenkins and also Orlando Skandrick when he was there. There's a lot of questions about, like, just a team mentality. But um, Carson Wentz is back in the fold. I know a lot of people were wondering if Carson could uh, right the ship and be the Carson Wentz that we're so accustomed to seeing um, when he had almost an MVP-like season. Um, but things didn't uh, pan out at the very beginning, but uh, remarkably, being in this NFC East division, the Eagles have just as much of a chance to make this the playoffs still as any team in the NFC East. But... I think they're starting to catch a little bit of fire now. They're really starting to utilize uh, former Bear Jordan Howard a lot more, who's been uh, good for them, setting the tone, and also Miles Sanders. So I think they're starting to figure things out a little bit over there in Philly. Um, gotta say, I'm not I'm not too thrilled about it, honestly. Yeah, so I'm not too thrilled about it. So let's look at their schedule. What they went through first, um, they beat the Redskins, 32-27. Uh, it was a close game. But then they went and got beat by the Falcons, who I thought, I think everybody picked the Eagles to win that game. Then they went and dropped one on the, no, not on the road, at home against the Lions. So they were one and two at this point. But then they surprisingly handed the Packers their first loss in Lambeau. 
But then they had the Jets, and they beat the Jets 31-6 to because the Jets had their fifth-string quarterback in there. But no excuses. <laughs> so then they got <laughs> went, they traveled to Minnesota, and they got beat pretty handily by the Vikings. Then, you know, that was the after that game, uh, Coach Doug Peterson said, we're going to go to Dallas and we're going to beat them. Um, we're going to win we're gonna get the W. And everybody made a big deal about it, saying, are you guaranteeing a win? And he was like, no, uh, I'm not guaranteeing a win. I'm saying we're going to go and try to win. And that did not happen. They definitely got blew out by the Cowboys, 37-10. to 10. And then we started talking about where you said the Eagles started to actually use former Chicago Bear Jordan Howard and um, Miles Sanders, running backs. Yeah. So they put up 31 against the Bills, and then they hosted the Bears at, at home, and they beat the Bears 22-14. to 14. So I think that running back starting to run the ball is going to – it's kind of been the resurgence of their offense, and everything's good now. Um, they currently are scheduled to play the Patriots, so that should be a good game. Patriots coming off their first loss, they're probably going to be angry, and you're going to try to see if Philly, they won't be able to replicate what the Ravens did when it comes to that offensive rushing attack, but they're going to try to add their own flavor to it and try to see if they could take down the Patriots as well. But yeah, um, it should be a good game between the Eagles and the Patriots regardless. I think they have a good enough shot because Carson Wentz is able to extend the plays and they have a good receiving uh, group and offense, honestly. So it should be a good game. We'll see what happens. It should be a really good game. So currently the Eagles are in second place in the NFC East at 5-4, and four, only trailing the Dallas Cowboys who are 4-3. and three. Eagles, like the Cowboys, are both 3-1 and one at home, but they both seem to struggle on the road with the Cowboys being 1-2 and two and the Eagles being 2-3. and three. Now, the Eagles are riding a two-game winning streak here, so what do you think? How does the NFC East plays out, play out for you? I know you said that there may be some hope that the Redskins, not hope, but there's a chance, even a small one, that the Redskins can uh, pull out and win the division here. But uh, who do you think wins it, realistically? You have to pick between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Ooh, uh, that's a tough one. Um, it is a tough one, but I'm honestly going to say it, it'll probably be the Cowboys. I just think the team that they have right now, especially offensively, Zeke is eating. He's always eating. He's got to figure out what's his diet plan, um, figuring out Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and that defense is more complete than a lot of uh, the teams in the NFC. I just think that collectively the Cowboys would have a better chance than the Eagles would right now. Yeah. I don't know. I think the Eagles found a blueprint, and I'm hoping that they pull out and win the division. But it's going to be a toss-up for me at this point. It's still too early to pick especially if Dallas somehow finds a way to blow this game tonight. It doesn't look like that they will. They're clicking on all cylinders, and this game is almost over. But my heart wants to say the Eagles, but my mind is telling me just pick the Cowboys. Crazy thing is, this is one of the hardest divisions to pick every single year. 
year in and year out because it's so unpredictable. Anything can happen. And there hasn't really been a consistent team to win this division, you know, in a long time. Probably since the Eagles and Donovan McNabb when he took over. But, yeah, it's just hard, hard, hard division to pick out. It definitely is every year, and we're looking forward to see how the rest of the division plays out. But let's wrap up this podcast, Travis. So the four teams that we identified as teams that kind of started off struggling, but they somehow found some magical formulas to kind of turn it around. We have the Raiders, the Steelers, the Chargers, and then the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm looking forward to see how all these teams play out. And, uh, Thank you for joining the podcast, Travis. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Not Your Average Tea Time. I'm your host, Tabaria. Please tune in and listen for the next episode.